you guys get the behind the scenes stuff on the stream. What's up, millennials? It's me, Zero for Hire, and I am doing another episode early, a little more frequently. So last time on the Millennial Rain podcast and on the Zero for Hire podcast, um, we combined those episodes and I did a week-long experiment where at the beginning of the week, I told you what my thoughts and feelings were on the on learning about the attack, um, the Hamas attacking Israel. And then I did another recording a couple of days later after having the opportunity to soak up some news about it. And then finally, I left um, what at the time was my final assessment at the end of the week. Now, it's a progression. So you'll see there might be some discrepancy in the way that I do that. But I really like the concept. I really like the idea of by the beginning, by the end of the week, things are very different than they are at the be- at the beginning. So that may be one of the things that I start to implore, employ on um, my podcast for sure. Zero for Hire podcast, that's definitely something I think I can do. Um, it's closer to the original spirit of what I was doing when I first started podcasting. Now, for Millennial Reign, I decided to include that because... There is a Christian element to this news cycle. And what I'm seeing right now is there is a highly dividing factor, um, a dividing element in this collection of news stories and as things and information comes out. Because we all, I mean, and I mean Christians, uh, we millennial Christians, we all have... um, for the most part, the same spirit and a very similar heart, but our hearts are very different in a lot of ways. And what we are, what we should be using these news cycles for is just something of a mirror to kind of gauge where your walk is and where we are in standard of scripture. So with the scripture being our standard, with Christian history also buttressing and supplementing that standard, we should be able to look at the current news cycle and say, here's my reaction. Here's how I feel. Here's where my emotions are deeply. I I feel so deeply about this issue. And in light of scripture, I'm way off. In light of church history, I'm way off. And even if you want to get down to the, you know, the, the various doctrines within the church, I'm way off even on my doctrine. So what I'm seeing is a lot of different things that I want to talk about, but I I definitely want to highlight this dividing factor. So what other dividing factors have we had in the last few years? Okay, the death of George Floyd was a dividing factor in the church. Um, And the the, the blind zeal and willingness to associate oneself with Black Lives Matter after the fact Um, When Black Lives Matter showed what they were doing for black people, what they were actually doing with the money that they were accruing for black people, which was nothing, which was buying mansions and purchasing more propaganda to kind of supplement their political views. I think the church should have backed off then, even if you were zealous and emotional and said, yes, I agree with that resounding message that Black Lives Matter when you saw what the organization was or wasn't doing, that would have been a good time to back off. But instead, 
A lot of churches decided to plow through that because they feel so deeply. And we didn't look at a scriptural standard of associating oneself with such a faction. Or the historical standard of associating oneself with such a faction. And then we had another opportunity uh, when it came to masks and lockdowns and things like that. And the government decided to shut down the churches. You can't go to church anymore. Christians, you're not allowed to worship in your places of worship. And there was a dividing factor because there were, again, people who said, I don't know if I said this about BLM, but I was on the side and there was a lot of other people on the side of this seems fishy. I don't believe these people. Um, and that was with the, the reaction to George Floyd and, and the BLM where you, you knew there was a tragedy and it felt like they were using a tragedy to, you know, push their agenda. So now we have this disease, this terrible pandemic, and, and people were being encouraged to mask and to um, social distance. And while we tried to figure out what was going on and in the church, there, there was a culture that was starting to develop. There was a newsletter that came out from the church that I was going and it said, dear patrons of, you know, this specific church. One time there was this guy who got COVID and he died in instant panic all over the place. And I'm not saying that he didn't die, but I'm saying the messaging, the deconstruction of the messaging is we need to panic. We need to be afraid. Now, I found that offensive, obviously, because the the messaging before that was our God heals. Our God is all powerful. Our God will protect us. All of that went out the window, you know. Now, there are, you might say, well, it's just wisdom, you know, Zero, you're, 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 um, you're kind of jumping the gun. It's wisdom to take these precautions. And I'm not saying that it's not wisdom. I'm not saying it's wise one way or another. I'm saying it's inconsistent with the worldview and the message that you're pushing, that you're preaching when you completely 180 degree for no reason. Either God protects or he doesn't. Either God heals or he doesn't. So if your message has been God protects and heals, then you should act consistently with that message as a church. Am I wrong for saying that? If I spend the next six years telling you how much I hate nachos and then you suddenly see a video of me eating nachos, you'd be kind of confused and upset by that, especially if I was instrumental in instructing you as well, not to eat nachos, right? It's the same thing. So that was another divisive situation. And then there was the jab. You couldn't even have a job. And churches, especially premillennial dispensationalists and Pentecostals, instantly associated the jab with the mark of the beast. And whether or not you believe that the jab is the mark of the beast is immaterial. Again, we're looking at consistency and messaging. If you believe that this is a type or a shadow or on par with the mark of the beast, then why would you engage with that concept, with that thing, with the, with the, with the shot, if you will, if that's the message that you're preaching. So this issue with Israel 
And again, I hate to keep picking on premillennial dispensationalists, but you're the loudest when it comes to supporting Israel. You are the loudest and the most ridiculous when it comes to pushing evangelical Christian America to supporting Israel and building temples and putting out prophecies about red heifers and just synchronizing and synchronizing Christianity with Judaism in ways that it probably shouldn't be crossed over. You're the loudest and kind of the worst about that. So when I see members of the evangelical church speaking their mind on the situation, I would expect that you would take a biblical scriptural approach that is consistent with the message that you've been pushing for all this time. And largely that's what I've seen. I have seen that. A lot of people are saying, pray for Israel. Here are some scriptures where the Bible talks about it. Sadly, I believe that we in here in America have a very deficient view and a very sick and anemic view of what it means to to be Israel, what the Christian's relationship is with Israel, what Israel's relationship is with God, the difference between spiritual Israel and governmental state of Israel. Is there a difference at all? And what is that difference? We have an anemic perspective on these topics and we need to get back to studying what that means. And then we need to talk to each other about what that means so that we can correct each other and, and, and educate each other all at the same time. Iron sharpens iron. The bad ideas go out the window. The good ideas stay. We, we use the Bible as our standard. We use scripture as our standard. Pastor, Pastor Jim Bob has a really great theory on how Israel works in relation to the church. And then Pastor Joe John has a really good theory on how Israel relates to the church. And we, we smash those ideas against each other and we, and we use the scripture as our standard and try to figure this out. But that's not what's happening, bro. And I can see it because culture is downstream from the church. So culturally, you Christian rappers, you Christian rock stars, you Christian celebrities, we're going to go here. You guys are the cultural leaders when, when, when we step down from the theological level. So when, when we're not, you guys like to take all of the responsibility and say, well, I'm not a pastor and try to shove off that responsibility. And that's, that's wrong. And you can't be further from the truth. I'm talking about, and I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody, but I'm going to give you some good examples of, of what I mean. I'm talking about Lecrae. I'm talking about Bryson Gray. I'm talking about Ruslan. I'm talking about what do you meme? I'm talking about all of you uh, big name DJs out there. Uh, the national ones. I'm talking about Lauren Daigle, you know, as a singer. I'm talking about Kevin Sorbo, the actor. I'm talking about um, who else? Who else? The Babylon Bee guys. You guys are the thought leaders. I'm talking about KD. I'm talking about D1. I'm, there's a lot of Christian rappers in here because y'all are loud and y'all got a lot to say. And there's just not a whole lot of industry. I'm talking about um, John Cooper from Skillet. So you guys have this, the platforms to have the, the bullhorn. 
And you're the biggest names in these. And so what you say matters in Christian culture. And your job is to take the teachings that we have theologically and trickle it down to the people that are still just kind of learning and absorbing and trying to figure out where they are in this whole Christianity, spirituality thing. Some of them don't even know if they want to be Christians because they're hung up on dumb things like, boy, the Christian music industry sure is boring. Why would I want to be a Christian? (coughs) That's a legitimate hang up for some people. Um, I'm not saying that it's legitimate, but I'm saying that is like seriously the hang up for some people is that the Christian music industry is boring. Or movies or whatever. And it feels like we're only ever supposed to listen to pastors. And when you got these Looney Tunes, goofy ball pastors like Paula Dean, not Paula Dean, <laughs> what is her name? <coughs> yeah. Paula White, you know who I'm talking about, the one that looked like Paula Dean, out there saying crazy stuff in the spotlight. They ain't supposed to be doing that. And that's weird. Like, it's weird. The celebrity pastor thing is weird because we have our own celebrities. Um, And you're supposed to be able to take some of those teachings and distill them down. Now, when you look at your audience that you've built over time, some of you have, like, made up an audience of progressives. And now you're going to have to like kind of slow walk some of that information in such a way that you're not going to piss off your entire base because you spent so much time building a progressive base because that's just the fastest way to build the audience is to go with the progressive narrative. Now you have to placate to that crowd. But if in doing that, you eventually arrive to the truth and the scripture and introducing people to new ways to think, then as much as I despise that audience, you're doing a good job. And some of you have made a, made a career off of, um, what is this, like suburbia-type Christian evangelicalism, where it's, it's more new age than Christianity, and everything's feel-good and nice and positivity. And, and you're going to have to kind of slow-walk your information in such a way that your audience can accept it. But again, if you arrive at a place that helps people understand Scripture and think about things biblically, then as much as I don't like that audience, I can get with what you're doing. I can get behind you. (coughs) Some of you guys are so, so far cage stage Calvinist that like, it's, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I can't, I can't be like in a forum or a comment section and not get into an argument with like some reformers. I don't, I don't know. It's just, there's factions of our Christianity where it's like, if you don't think exactly like me, then we're going to fight. And I have that personality. So, but if you, you don't have to slow, that's the good thing though, is you don't have to slow walk the information for that crowd. You can just hit them in the face with it and tell them, and here's the information. Here's what the Bible says. Now accept it. And that's like, they have that hardcore personality where they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to take this and wrestle with it until I agree with God. Now, ultimately, I think most of us are supposed to be at that point, but like, that's the whole, that's like, that's kind of the idea, right? All right. I'm not saying right. I'm saying all right. I don't, I don't like this thing where we say right. And I kind of shortened my all rights. When I say it, it's like, I, okay, so that's the point that I'm making. All right. Do you understand? Moving on. Not right. Like from California. I'm not doing that. <coughs> Please forgive me for coughing so much. I'm still on. I got something in here. So 
those dividing factors are causing us not to come to the table and, and have discussion. And because our culture has just been repeatedly traumatized and programmed to react and to think and to behave a certain way for the last five years, um, it's making it more and more difficult to sit down at the table. Ultimately, the goal is ecumenism in, in so much of Christian unity. Now, I'm, when I say ecumenity, I'm, I'm, I'm ecum when I am talking about being ecumenical, I'm not saying in some official, you know, here's a paper doctrine thing and, and we just get on board with whatever the Pope and the Unitarian pastors say. Because I, I am all about discernment and, and making distinctions for groups that aren't actually Christian. That we don't have to listen to them. We don't have to unite with them. But when your argument becomes the church did wrong, therefore everybody else is vindicated, you're attacking the church. And I've been seeing a lot of that. And this is the time of year for it. So what people are trying to do are they're trying to make these arguments that the church or that the government under the guise of the church. I lost connection for a minute. People are trying to make this argument that the government under the guise of the church or under the veil of the church or with the influence of the church is committing atrocities and killing people and taking land. And they're trying to use their own experience or their or their ancestors experience and superimpose that onto the Israel um, Palestine situation. I think one that's wildly ignorant of history and two, it's incredibly immature because, and I could say that as a person who has had ancestors kidnapped and removed from their land. Okay. Those are, that's the, that's the story of my ancestors. They were kidnapped and removed and sold into slavery. They were kidnapped and removed and sold into slavery by other people of their kind. So Africans kidnapped and removed and sold other Africans into slavery. So I get it. We've had atrocities in our past. And then a lot of those slaves were brought over here and forced to work and forced to do things and had atrocities committed against them by some people who claim to be Christians. And by some people who used the message of the church to get support for what they were doing. Now, my defense and my argument is always those are not Christians if their fruit is evident that they are not Christians. There is also a historical lens that you have to look at things when you're saying, you know, like slavery. Slavery is bad. That's how we see slavery today. Slavery is bad. But is it consistent with the message that you're teaching? Because if slavery is the way of the world up until a few hundred years ago, then you can't look at things that happened before that and then impose our morality on that thing. As a matter of fact, when the Bible talks about slavery in that context, it's, it's, I'm not going to use words like indentured servitude or what you, it's slavery. We're going to call it slavery. Okay. But you are supposed to, Treat people humanely and fairly and, and uphold your end of the bargain because these people are working for you and 
and they have sold themselves to you or they have been sold to you in such a, a manner that you're responsible for them and you're going to be held accountable spiritually by God. Even if you're in the world system hundreds or thousands of years ago where that's the, that's the, that's the reality that you live in. So if you were a slave owner then, then you're going to be held accountable for the way that you treated those slaves. That was the way it was. Now we've here in the West abolished slavery, but slavery still exists in many other parts of the world. And we are complicit to it as our governments are complicit to it. So to try to impose your self-righteous morality on people that it doesn't apply to hundreds of years ago without applying it to the people that are actually instituting slavery right now, that's inconsistent as it, as it gets. And that's not even the issue we're talking about. We're talking about the outdated way of, of the world. So the world was outdated. Um, back then they had different ways. It was a different world. But we still judge them by their standards, not by ours. We judge them by their standards. People who killed Christians in the name of Christianity are not Christians. Christians who massacre other Christians are not Christians. That's not the church. Why? Because our religion, our religion teaches us so. Christ says so. And so if the religion and the, and the high most priest of our religion says, don't kill people, don't kill other Christians, and you do that anyway... You're not only being defiant against your religion, you're being defiant against Christ. Therefore, you are not a Christian. So when I get somebody jumping on the internet saying, oh, the church did this, you need to back up, bro. Oh, they did this in the name of Christianity. You're being historically tone deaf, ignorant, and you're attacking the church. And it is painful to watch. It's offensive. It's cringy. I'm not going to stand for it. I am always going to defend the church. The church is my spiritual mother. You attack the church. That's like you saying something about my mama. That's how I interpret it. That's how I'm going to respond to it. I am going to defend the church. And I'm not going to stand for people attacking it. People have a lot of way of twisting their words and trying to do things to make them to justify themselves to justify their sin that doesn't make them right that doesn't make them the church and it doesn't make it the actions of Christ so don't tie the sins of ungodly men to the church don't do that stop doing that secondly our loyalty is to the church you cannot die to self and just be all oh, my ancestors all my ancestors all my ancestors at some point you got to stop you got to grow out of that Okay, I understand what happened historically and there were atrocities and we've talked about that. But where are you right now? What time are you living in? You are living in 2023. You are not living in the time of your ancestors. You don't have no power to change anything that happened to your ancestors. Okay. And a lot of our ancestors weren't followers of Christ. I'm not saying that that means nothing. I'm saying you got to, Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Okay, that's their problem. It's their problem. Go to God for injustice. Pray to God to right injustices now. But you being hung up about something that happened six and seven hundred years ago, five, you know, five thousand years ago. That's foolishness. That's nonsense. 
pray to God about injustices today. But you got to trust God in the sense that he has dealt with the world in the way that it needed to be dealt with. Okay, it might not be fair to you. It might not be fair to them. Maybe your ancestors got screwed. Maybe they really did. They got screwed. God is just. Okay, either God is just or he's not. So the way that things happened in history is the way that God allowed it to have unfold. God lets things play out the way he does it. You're not God. I'm not God, okay? We can't change the past. You have no power for that. You live in 2023. So here in 2023, here's what we got. We have a terrorist organization that infiltrated a dance party and shot as many people as they could. Shot in the cars, killed people on the street, raped and desecrated people's bodies, um, all kind of stuff. In 2023, we're not talking about something that happened 700 years ago, okay? So, all you people that's talking about land disputes and stuff, first of all, that's a government situation. You ain't got nothing to do with that. And I really hope people hear me when I say, everything that I say on these podcasts, especially about this Israel and Hamas or whatever, I'm not talking about what I think the government should do. The government is not going to do what I want them to do anyway. The government has a historical track record of not doing what I want them to do. They have a track record of screwing things up and being unjust. And I'm not saying just the American government. I mean, the governments of man screw up all the time. Okay, so I put my lot behind God. What I'm saying is your heart, Western American millennial, needs to be with God. If Israel is the nation of God... And a friend told me this, and it made a lot of sense, rings true. Then do we have faith that God is going to protect Israel? Do we have faith that God is going to do with Israel what God wants to do with Israel? Historically, when God sold Israel into slavery to Babylon, was that not his will? Was that his will? Did he allow that to happen? And then when God brought Israel out of slavery, was that his will? And he put them back in their land. That was his will, right? And then when they got sold into slavery again to the Assyrians, was that not a judgment from God? Was that his will? When the Romans came in and massacred everybody in Jerusalem, was that not God's will? So that's the thing. You don't know what you're talking about. You, you are not God. Stuff is happening and you run around going, all the Israelis, all the Palestinians, and you have no idea because you're not God. If you trust God, then you're going to have to trust God or don't trust God. But I'm not sitting here making geopolitical decisions. I'm not a government official. I'm not the government. I'm saying you Western American millennial need to get your heart in the right place. Stop attacking the church. Stop attacking Israel and stop with the faithless proclamations all over social media. And this is largely you celebrities um, and you who have been blessed with a lot. You guys are just jumping on board with this weird progressive leftist narrative that Palestine is somehow the good guy in this situation. And then you have people in the evangelical world like Paula White who is saying, you know, Trump is a good godly man. 
And Israel and people are saying Israel can do no wrong. And you have to look at the people on your side, like Lindsey Graham, that are saying flatten the place. And we have to ask people who are on that persuasion. If you were in Palestine and you grew up there and today and you knew Hamas is next door, who are you going to report to? Who are you going to tell? The, the terrorists live right over there. I know where they live. What are you going to do? I can guarantee some of you rappers that be listening to this stuff. You know where the drug house is. You know where the crack house is. You ain't doing nothing about it. Some of y'all know where there's human trafficking. Some of y'all know where they're selling drugs, where, they're, where, where the murderers are. You're not doing nothing to right that situation. But you want to sit up here and criticize the people there for, for doing the same thing that you're doing. Or for not doing the same thing that you're doing. So as bad as I feel about the people in that situation, I have to look at it consistently. And then remaining consistent, put myself in those shoes and say, if I was them, what would I do? I, being in a bad political situation, being surrounded by uh, poor opportunities and knowing that I have no prospects, will gather my family, sell everything I have and move. And I can say that because that's what I've done. That was why I left Michigan. Sell everything, give up everything, do what it takes. Suffer the pain of moving and then just move and take my family somewhere where we'll have better prospects. So that's what I would do. That's the best I can judge somebody. You're not the government. You're not God, okay? Stop attacking the church. Stop acting like you know what you're talking about when you don't. And please just pray for Israel and pray for wisdom. Because clearly there's a lot of people who just need more wisdom they have. I'm Zero for Hire for the Millennial Rain podcast. You, this is what you've been listening to. Um, you can go to me on Substack or here on Twitter. I've gone just a second over my time. So I hope this video posts. I got to go. You guys have a great day. Stay blessed. Stay holy. And how do I stop my recording? <laughs> wow, I actually don't know. Oh, in stream. <laughs> Thank you.